This is Rebel Net Radio with your hosts, T. Parker and Joe Spilatro. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rebel Net Radio. Oh, my goodness, Joe. I feel like I've aged a year since the last time we did this. At least 10 months. <laughs> I'd say about 10 is, months. Is that what yeah, it has yeah. been? 10 months. Well, and, and I think we had two or three for the previous three seasons because <clears throat> basketball sucked. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest. No, no. It, in fact, any statistical way you look at it, it was the absolute worst. No, it wasn't not that it wasn't the greatest. It was the worst. It made Raleigh. It, made, it gave me warm feelings about Raleigh Massimino. How about Clee? Even Clee. I, the gold chain was worth more than what Menzies brought to this program. <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad that you told me how you really feel. You know me, T. I don't, you know. There's I, no beating around the bush. No, I? why? I'm too old to worry about this crap. <laughs> I feel how I feel, whether it's right or wrong. It's, you know. Well, the good news is uh, I, I think both my rebel bones and your rebel bones have gotten a boost of calcium in the in the yeah, last a little bit last month or so a little bit longer than that and uh i think we're both feeling a lot better about where the program is and where it's headed and and the leadership that uh has kind of taken it uh hopefully to the next level we'll see um we're not there yet th- but it, things th- are looking good right yeah, it's, it, it's the, the ship is headed in the right direction yes yes uh, that that is uh, the most that, important thing that all, I've seen this year. That's all you could hope for at this point. Um, he took over, a, you know, not the best situation in the world, but, again, he didn't make any excuses for it, and he didn't blame it, and he didn't set up failure based upon what he inherited. He just said, you know, it's our job to win, to coach this team, to get them better as the season progresses. He upped the schedule, got rid of some teams that were on an awful schedule, and put some new teams on there, strengthened it up, and the team was – you know, in a nutshell, they were they were ugly early. They were very inconsistent early. There was a but lot, but they, they were still competitive early, which which was promising uh, to see. Most of the time, there were some blowouts yeah. in there. I mean, the BYU thing. There, there. You know, there were there was some quitting. Pacific, on there. yeah, the, the, and there was some quitting, and there was some he- head hanging going on there. But the nice thing is, we also saw benchings. We saw accountability. We saw confu- we saw confusion start to get cleared up, and we saw improvement. And, and we um, we saw an actual game plan. Yeah, I mean, even the offense, it was so bad early on. It looked just like Menzies. It was just the spacing was poor. There was a lot of high ball screens that led to nothing and basically jacking it up. And, you know, if, if you took one of those slow frame, what do you call those, the time-lapse things yeah. of our offense, it, it would look kind of cool. It would kind of look like a flower opening up because the spread, it mm. just, it, you know, everything was pretty close and tight-knit, and all of a sudden it just spread, and, and players got a little bit further out, a little bit further out yep. until, spacing until there better. was spacing. And you could tell already what Otzelberg is trying to achieve with our offense. Um, it's it's not anything that's overly complicated, um, but it can be effective once you get shooters. And right now what's impressive is this team is winning with bad shooters. Once he gets shooters in here, I, I think we could see a pretty dynamic offense, even though I do think there will be some limitations based on size, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, the, but what I'm saying is you, there's a plan. You could see it developing, and it gives you some hope, and that's something that we just didn't have. 
Yeah, I, I feel like um, for the last however many years, um, even with even with Rice at a time, um, start the season out on fire, do really well in the non-conference, and then basically because <clears throat> he had so many one-and-done guys, uh, as I put air quotes around that, um, they started to pretty much fade at the end of the year because their minds started fading away from uh, what what coach was preaching and, and the game plan and, and those types of things. And it's just been so... It's funny. I, I honestly think that if we were, if UNLV was in the, in the Big 12 or the ACC or even the Pac-12, they would have had a better record in those conferences than they did in the weak Mountain West because the players got up for games against named teams. Sure. Uh, you're, you're, you're talking the Rice teams? Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I think they would have performed better. They, uh, they lost focus very easily. Uh, or no, they didn't lose focus. Their focus was on the NBA. Right. Uh, everything besides UNLV. Yeah. And uh, I, it's it's been extremely refreshing to see um, a coach start the year with the struggles and not really with an identity. And now that we're... 30 games into the season, uh, you can actually see what he's trying to do, what he's trying to accomplish. Uh, the players are fulfilling the game plan. They, they, they bought in, and that, that's a huge thing. Yeah. And they didn't buy in early. No. You, you could see it. That's why there were some benchings. That's, it just, well, he was asking them to do things that they weren't asked to do before. And, and, and aren't their strengths. Right. So... When you have a, a team full of guys that are dribble drive finishers, mm-hmm. and you're asking them to not dribble mm-hmm. and pass the ball and take open jump shots and make that extra pass, uh, that's a little bit hard. And, and, and you're holding for them these to guys. It. Yeah, you're not just saying it; you're holding it to them. You're yanking them out of the game when they don't do what they're supposed to do. Joe, I, I told you earlier tonight uh, the the three biggest positives I saw before, kind of like the overall. Uh, confidence build in this team uh, is Amari Hardy was benched, Bryce was benched, and Jonah ha- or Jonah Antonio was benched when uh, he gave up a bunch of layups in a row mm-hmm. and, and three pointers. Um, basically, TJ said, "You can't play in this game mm-hmm. if, if that's the effort you're going to give. You can't play." Uh, and he had didn't come out and make excuses. He stood by his decisions. And it's it's very good to see um, that the team has kind of taken on his personality. Mm-hmm. They're not making excuses. No, they're not. They could have... When Tillman went down and Coleman and... Uh, Elijah. Elijah went down and Coleman came into the lineup, this team could have easily just said, all right, we're all transferring, we're done. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't done that, and by far, this is the best basketball UNLV has been playing at the end of the year. Now, I know the competition is not great, but uh, we did just beat on the road what was the number four team in the country. Stop it. Yeah, it's hard for me to say that because when you watch them play, uh, you know they're not that level. But um, 
But it, it was a packed venue. There, it there was, was, it a, was our a most, number next to their name. There's a number next to their name. They were running away in the conference, and it was by far the most packed venue and loudest venue UNLV played in all year. And I was looking to see how they were going to respond to that because they hadn't been exposed to it. But and they then, dominated that, from opening tip to yeah, the end of the game. Yeah, and, and the thing is, um, I think what really helped with that, and it, I haven't seen it mentioned in the press or anywhere. I know I've brought it up many times because I believe in this. Um. Otzelberger hit the road, I believe, four times in the non-conference. Yep. And he upped the non-conference schedule. I think you doing that, you are going to take some losses. You're going to take some lumps. But I do believe you grow from it. I'd rather – we were 5-8 and eight in those games, I believe. And I'd rather be 5-8 and eight than 13-0 and oh and play a bunch of, you know, peach basket state. You, you know, I – they, I don't think those do any good. And, and that that's one thing Menzies did in order to get the win total up. But the team didn't improve and confidence didn't grow. And they didn't learn how to play on the road because they were playing junk teams. Um, we had down to San Diego. It didn't look like they were phased by the crowd at all. No, no. And, you know, I love everything that Dave Rice is about and did here and the, the mindset that he had. But under Rice and Menzies, there was no accountability for the players. Not enough. Unfortunately, Rice was more, I got better athletes, roll out the ball, go make plays. He counted on these players to make the right decisions when they didn't make the right decisions. Far too often they didn't. And, you know, it really really backfired on him. Uh, He got too good of players. And they never became a team. It was high risk, high reward. But right. it was, um, and, and you know, I I believe that if it depends what you want for the program. If you want to compete for national championships, you have to get the best players you can get. Yes, you do. If you want to be the best in the Mountain West or the best, uh, 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 a respectable team, you know, a regional team, somebody, you know, one of the three, four, five best teams out west. Mm-hmm. I think you could go with a bunch of those three star kids that stay four years. You know and sprinkle in here and there and, and just depend on the stability of the program to elevate you. Cause that will work. Um, even I mean, well, Kruger had a lot of transfers, but you know, that, that was similar to what Kruger did. Cause a lot of his foundation were, he held people guys. accountable. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, so it's, it's, a, if, it's a if, similar... you didn't, if you didn't perform under Kruger, uh, a walk on was going to come in and take your spot. It, he proved that a f- at least a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, guys like Joe Darger, who weren't the most gifted, um, but he worked his ass off. Mm-hmm. He was rewarded under Kruger, you know. So, um, Rene Rougeau, players like that, Oscar Belfield, which weren't, you know, those weren't NBA guys, uh, but they they built a stable foundation here at UNLV, and you know we. When 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 Kruger left, there was kind of a sigh of relief. Like, yeah, we had hit our ceiling with him. Yada yada. But we did, we did. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, and the two NCAA tournament losses in a row was embarrassing. Well, yeah, the one to Illinois. I don't. I think it only ended up like ten or twelve points. But I think we were down twenty eight, twenty nine, something like that in the first half. Yeah, it was. It was turning the game off, and, and everybody focused on the other games. Yeah, yeah, you didn't have to sit there and, and watch that. So it was pretty bad. It, it was kind of a sigh of relief. Ugh, he's out of here. Someone took him off our our hands, uh, and Dave came in and and instantly gave 
the spark that we needed to really turn the corner. And we had programmed guys with Chase and Moser and Marshall, Marshall and Justin, Justin. Once those guys left though, and it was all Rice's guys, it was, it was tough to watch. At times, yeah, because you expect. Well, part of it is because your expectations. They were, they were through the roof. It, I right. tell you what, it, it wasn't. It wasn't hard at all. It was very pleasurable to watch them play you know, well to beat Oregon, who made it Arizona. to the Elite Eight and beat them by double digits, and mm-hmm. to beat Indiana and to beat Arizona. I mean, that was fantastic. It was amazing, right. and it made you realize what the the level was. And unfortunately, I mean, you see players like that, guys that you know are going to play in the league. Your expectations elevate. Sure. So you expect more. And then conference came along and they just completely fell apart and they mailed it in. Yeah. They just they just wanted to get through the rest of the season and it, and it was tough. It was tough to watch as a fan. It was tough to watch and see you know, know that the coaching staff is absolutely preaching and protecting against you gotta be careful at Wyoming. Boise. Yeah, you gotta be careful and players like yeah, it's Wyoming, there's Horses there, right? They don't. They don't have nightclubs. You know, it's it's just it's just a we're better than you attitude, and we're just going to go out there and we'll win. And it, that's just not the way the game works anymore. And and in that respect, absolutely, it backfired. Mm-hmm. It backfired. I, I I like that he went for it though, oh, and he tried to get no the best doubt. players. And because I mean, it, it, it's it's probably it was probably a little bit too. I mean, it's easy to. To Monday morning quarterback. I'm sure if he was here again, he'd do it a little differently. Absolutely, um, and he was on, he was on the right path of doing it differently. Uh, I mean, because he, he was he, let go. He he got the he got the the brand name up. Um, regardless of how UNLV was finishing, they were recognizable nationally, and they were talked about nationally, and clothing sales and all that you know that stuff that goes with it um, went up, and that was because you're drafting guys or you're taking guys that end up making the NBA, and you get the wins over big blue chip programs. And which elevated our recruiting profile a lot. And we sure. are attractive to a lot of the top recruits. So in that respect, he he blazed a trail that hadn't been blazed before. Baino did it to an extent, but not to the extent Rice did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's it, it's unfortunate. I, I, th- I think, you know, looking back, I think him starting with a three-year contract hurt him. Badly because most because he felt like he had to get it done yeah, as, immediately. He had to get it done immediately, and not only that, the first year he didn't recruit anybody. It was all because he was he able to. All he was able players. to, re- yep. and a lot of them intended on leaving, but he was able to keep them all. And even though they lost in the first round to Colorado, which apparently made some people cry on our site. <laughs> Did you read that? Yeah, that was funny. But anyway. Um, you know, even though they lost to Colorado, they they did come up with the North Carolina win. They they were more fun to watch, and, and it, it, you absolutely had optimism heading into the next year, especially when you had a class like Anthony Bennett and Kaden Reinhart and Bryce Dejon Jones was going to become eligible, and he utilized that year pretty well too. Until, the Colorado game was at the pit, right? Yeah, that was at the pit. Yeah. And, and even that year was was pretty good, except that we lost in the first year. I mean, because we grabbed a five seed. Yeah. So it, and we were ranked. Mm-hmm. So and those were mostly Rice's players, at least the impact guys. I mean, you still had Anthony Marshall on on the team, but he was uh, such a leader on that. Team. Yeah, he was a leader, but I mean, you know, Bryce Jones was an impact player. Yep. Um, obviously, Bennett was an impact pl- player. I mean, to say Ken Birch wasn't an impact. I mean, those were those were Rice guys, and they were the crux of the team. Anthony yep. was was definitely the glue and, and a tough guy on the team. So so even after that year, you're kind of like. All right, let's see what we did. And, you know, we hit that third year, but he had a year extension at, at that point. Mm-hmm. 
But I, I, I think, and then, uh, and then we just failed with the point guard two years in a the, row. Yeah, failed with the point guard miserably. Bill Smith and and, and, uh, and that the you know, and then then Rashad didn't come back from an injury, which right. was kind of you know whatever. That to me, that's looking at the NBA, not well, looking after your school. It's exactly what it was, and yeah. that's kind of the whole crux yeah, exactly. of the conversation that we're having here. And that's and then then you look at the class he was bringing in. It was a different type of class. Well, Justin Jackson didn't stay. He only played two years at Maryland, and mm-hmm. then he went pro, and he's in the D League or G League. But the kid at TCU? Everybody else is still in school. Was solid. Uh, Vitale was solid. He had a good career at UConn. Mm-hmm. Still going on as a senior. So they, they, they had good years, and they, they were the types of players he needed. Yep. He just, I think, got them at the wrong time. That needed to be his first class, I think, instead of the Kate and Reinhardt drama and Anthony Bennett leaving early and not defending while he was here. You know, um, so he went for it and it just, it just didn't work. I'm, I'm glad he went for it only because nobody else is really, I mean, he, he didn't want to, he probably should have wanted to be the best team in the Mountain West Conference and the best team in the West and a team that competes nationally. I think he wanted to leapfrog all that and he wanted to be one of the best teams nationally from the start. You know, he wanted to bring it home yep. and probably just bit off more than you can chew in the beginning. And, and you know, it's that, that, that tends to happen with, or it could, it's more likely to happen with a guy that hasn't been a head coach before. Sure. You know, if, if he gets another shot, especially I'm when sure he had the connections that he had. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, the, the, the staff he brought in was able to recruit their butts off and yep. get players in here. So, I mean, that was, it was obvious what his plan was. Um, I don't think part of his plan was for him to have his players back and his players not to have his back. I don't think that was part of his plan. No. Okay. So that is our historical look back. Yeah. Then I, we're going to skip three years. I, I already had. You, because. You don't want to talk about three years? I, I think we can skip three years. I, I don't mind talking about him. Well. No, I don't want to. I absolutely don't I, I want to. I think we may lose one or two uh, listeners. No, I, I, don't, I, I don't want to talk about the guy. I don't even want to see his face in my mind. He was absolutely deplorable, the worst coach we've ever had here. And we, I said this when he was fired. It does not matter who UNLV hires. UNLV will improve from where they were at mm-hmm. because he was that bad. And, and you know, Otzelberger is a good hire, and, and he's, I think he's going to prove to be successful here. Um Long term, you know, for and and I, but I think we could even hired. We 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 could have hired the Durango head coach, and we'd have done better than with Menzies. Yeah, he's double high school head coaches at UNLV. Yeah. Anyhow, so yeah, we don't need to talk about that Joker. He's probably over at Dre's throwing a shot back right now. What we have is Mountain West Championship yes. Week. Yes, and we have. A UNLV quarterfinal matchup with Boise State on Wednesday afternoon. Excuse me, Thursday afternoon. Well, yeah, that's a formality, but yeah. Boise's going to be an interesting matchup no, considering we, we just blew them out uh, no. about a week ago. No, it's not. They, they don't have a ton of talent, but they can shoot it from three a little bit. They, you don't want to ever sacrificial lamb teams. They're going to have to do a TCU versus... Wink Adams, which, is which we've seen in this tournament time you, you, and time again. You're not going to see. A, they're going to need a 17 for 23 performance from three point range to beat the Rebels. They UNLV, uh, you watch that game, you could see it in their eyes. Unless, unless there's some magic potion out there, UNLV thoroughly defeated them and humbled them, and they gave up. Boise State. Yeah, I think uh, attacking them off the dribble 
They they didn't seem to be able to handle that very well. None of it. Um, so that that's game one, and then we have, if we can get past that game, we we're gonna have a rematch with San Diego State, and we will try and become the only team that's not only beaten San Diego State one time this year, uh, but twice. And to be quite honest, I I feel like we have their number. I don't. I don't think they're as confident coming into the game against us uh, as as we would be with them. Um, we played them well at the MAC the first time, uh, just couldn't make some shots at, at key spots. And now we go we go on the road. We play lights out from beginning to end and and thoroughly dominate them. Like I said, uh, so that game is is not as scary as playing a one seed with one loss. That you may think so. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look at the actual minute breakdown, but I'm guessing UNLV led for about 70 out of the 80 minutes that they played San Diego State this year, probably somewhere thereabout. Um, we, I'm not going to say we should have won the game in Las Vegas, but we certainly could have won the game in Las Vegas. Um, yeah. it, was, it was a play here or there um, that made the difference, and I, I wasn't all that impressed with San Diego State when they were here, and you know, I, yeah, I it was tell a you four what, point loss. We had, we had a three at the buzzer to make it four, so yeah, it was it was more like a close to ten point. But yeah, but I mean, it was a game that was decided within the last three four minutes. Absolutely, yeah. And when we went down there, I mean, what what a good win for the program. Um, first of all, they you know it's always fun to beat San Diego State, and it's, they were undefeated and all that. But one of the most satisfying things I think as a fan when you when you dislike another team is when you see their fans leaving early. When you see their fans streaming out of the stadium, and when they showed that with about eight minutes to go, that their fans started piling out, it's just a really good feeling. It, it's like we put you in your place, and there was nothing you could do about it. Um, I do I, I agree with what you said. You said uh, I think UNLV will be more confident that they could beat San Diego, then San Diego will be that they could beat UNLV. That doesn't mean UNLV will win. No. But UNLV is certainly not scared, and I think that San Diego State has a little bit of... There's hesitancy. There's there's hesitancy on their part because there's just... they We're, we're that one team that they just haven't been able to figure out. Yeah. Um, whether it's a small ball lineup or, or whatever the case may be, um, our guards give them fits, and we pull their big guy out Mm-hmm. to uncomfortable waters, mm-hmm. as they say. And um, I think that's really they, – they've done a good job of defending um, guards throughout throughout the season. Uh, but when you have four guards to, to contain, mm-hmm. they can all take you off the dribble. That's when they start to break down defensively. Yeah, and – it, it'll be interesting. I mean, I mean, you could also look at the other side, and you could say uh, San Diego State is pissed off. They're going to have revenge on their. They'll mind. be locked in. They'll be locked in, and 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 they got a lot more experience than us. Yeah, and and they do have that, and that that may happen too. I'm not discounting that as a possibility. Sure. You, you know, I mean, I doubt UNLV's overconfident, but maybe it made San Diego State hungrier. I tend to think that might not be the point because it's not like, I mean, San Diego State just struggled to close out. Who was it? UNR. UNR. We're down by 10. Yeah. Colorado State. Colorado State, they won late. Yeah. And both games. And not only, I mean, they they needed a late three pointer to beat San Jose State earlier in the year at their place. 
So, you, you, you know, in... They're certainly not a juggernaut. No, they're not a juggernaut. Even though they're, they're, a, a one-loss team at this time of year would suggest that they have some pros on their team and yeah, and they don't and, and are uber talented. Right. Uh, this is more a, a really well balanced, experienced team, uh, but nobody that when you when you well, read F- down Flynn's the roster, been, Flynn's been pretty good. He yes, he's been excellent. Yeah. But he's a college player. He's not. He's not somebody that. Uh, I know what you're saying. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not saying UNLV is going to beat them, but uh, what I appreciate more than anything is the last three years, the last four, the last five years. I'd say, maybe even the last six years, the Mountain West tournament has been horrible. It was so and boring. boring. Yes, hundred percent. We knew when we were going in there that we were going to play one game and probably... Well, maybe two games. Maybe. You know. Depending if we played the Wednesday game or not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and that's it. I mean, had Rice's last team, even though he was gone by then, had had there not been injuries and you had Zimmerman and you had Derek Jones and and you had Ben Carter, you had the players that weren't hurt. If they were playing, you would have felt like, yeah, we got a shot at saving the season because the talent is there. Yep. Um, but without them there, and then they call up Brian Glenn to come away from the front desk so that he could fill in and buy some minutes against Air Force. Yeah, that was great. You know that. I mean, you kind of knew that that mount that tournament was going to be garbage, and um, so so that we're going to have a. I, I I don't know. It, we're going to have a postseason vibe again. The Mountain West tournament for a number yeah, of we years. We got a puncher's there, chance. I'd say from. 2000 through 2010, maybe 11. It was electric. The Mountain West Tournament was fantastic. That's the semifinal Friday night. It was, was you, you didn't want to miss it. One of the it. best nights of basketball yeah. and, of and, and even if UNLV wasn't involved, it was still going to be, and the teams may not have been the greatest, but there was such, it was still high-level competition and good basketball. You, you know, a couple years ago. With Fred, a packed house. Yeah, with a packed house and people picking sides and, and you know the crowds have thinned a little bit, and um, there hasn't like Fresno State won a couple years ago, didn't they? The tournament yeah. with Rodney Terry. Yep. And they were a garbage team. They, I mean, they were okay. Mm-hmm. There, there was nothing special about them. Yeah, it just they had seems, some long guys. Yeah, but it wasn't you know, and I don't know. And so the tournament just didn't you know new new mexico's fallen on hard time so they're not traveling quite as well it wasn't gibber for debt versus yeah. Kawhi leonard yeah and you know even san diego state you, you know dutch's first year was was really bad i mean even menzies beat him that's how bad it was yeah and um so they they lost a, a lot of following i'm sure they're going to be they're they're going to put 8000 people in that stadium on friday everybody's going to come down for the unlv game i won't be surprised if san diego state has a home court advantage in that particular game, it'll be close. Okay. It'll be close. So I don't know. And does absolutely you? There's no reason why UNLV has no shot. I'm not saying they'll win, but they're, they're going to have a shot. We got to shoot the ball well. Yeah, we. Do. I mean that, that, well, that's the key, but, right? But, but that's it. Doesn't matter what postseason tournament you're in. If you don't shoot the ball well, you're not going to win. Right. Just the way it is. Uh, another thing that I was talking to you. About. I don't think the Rebels have to play their A game to beat San Diego State. I would say it's B plus uh, plus. I'd say they they could be A minus. No, they they could be they can beat San Diego State with a B game because San Diego State's very capable of bringing a D game. Okay, they they are they are. I'm I'm just saying you like if if you know who's the top team in the country, 
right now, or one one. And don't say San Diego State's one of the top ones. Kansas, Baylor. I don't oh, okay. Say Baylor. If if UNLV was was in the Big Twelve tournament and they and they had to face Baylor, you know UNLV has to play flawless basketball to have a, even an opportunity to beat Baylor. Yeah, that's not the case here. Baylor rebounds a well. Yeah, uh, they, they, amazingly well. Yeah. So, but you know that going in, you have to be perfect to beat yep. them. Um, we don't have to play mistake-free basketball to beat San Diego State. No, the talent level's not outrageously yeah, that, different. Yeah, that's that's not huge. And we have, but uh, but no, you, you, we fail to mention one thing. I, I honestly believe that everything is contingent on Elijah and his knee. Mm-hmm. If if he cannot go, he's you, definitely a spark plug. Oh my God! Yeah, he's he's been huge w- with his return. He's been every yep. bit as big as Hamilton, and, and he's playing with a confidence that we didn't see early in the year. He's hitting his shots, and he's helping spread the floor a little bit more. And the every, little shimmy he did, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So if he can't play, you, you know, you know, if he's in a tough spot even against Boise. I still think they'd be able to take care of Boise, but I don't know that you're going to take care of San Diego State without Elijah. He defends well enough. That um, means Jonah's going to play a lot more. Well, and, unless Jonah decides to go 8 for 10 from the floor and not give up 40 points when he's on the floor. Right. You know, I mean. That's, it, that's it, his it, challenge. It, it becomes a lot more difficult. He, he and, is and, definitely know, a defensive a liability. Postseason is a different time of year. Um, we've seen it many times. Different players step up at different times. Yep. If they're on your roster, they could be a hero. Doesn't matter who it is. I mean, how many, you know. I mean, think about it. Sometimes it's not even the best guy on the team. It might not even be a starter. It might be a guy coming off the bench that just they live for those moments, and that could be Jonah. They, they don't, don't want their season to end yeah, is yeah, basically yeah, what it don't. is. And not wanting the season to end, I think that's why um, Long is going to play. I, uh, You know, we, we don't know the extent of it, and the coaching staff is doing a good job of guarding against it and keeping it quiet as they should. Let let the speculation arise. But, um, you know, they, they said it was a severe bone bruise. Uh, but no structural damage, which to me, I take that to mean it's a whole lot of pain, but he's not going to hurt it any worse. And if that's the case, I fully expect a fifth-year senior to play. I mean, that's yeah, just the way I see he, it. Unless he can't put any pressure on it. Well, yeah, no, I mean. Because you don't want to be a liability either. No, 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 but he's going to give it a go. And, you know, if if I'm Boise and Elijah starts and starts, my first two, three plays are going to be take the dribble at Elijah. I want to see how he moves laterally. I want to see if he lost half a step. I want to see if he's, um, you know, hedging one way versus the other. I want to see what he can do. And I'm going to – I don't care if I score on those first three or four possessions. I want I want to know what I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to exploit it if I can. And if I can't exploit it, then you go back into whatever it is that your game plan was. That's all. But you got to test it. Sure. It's like that, you know, that weak – that cornerback, that rookie cornerback that comes into the game. You're going to throw right at him, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's the same thing. Let let the nerves get him a little bit. Yeah. Um. Some of the things that have impressed me with this team, especially late, uh, has been defense and rebounding. Uh, rebounding is has, has been critical. Has been off the chart good, considering of the size of the players yes. that we have out yes. there. And- I, I have worried every time we tip off. Uh, especially when John comes out of the game and it's Vitaly. Yeah. And I'm like, how the hell are we going to get a rebound? But they do. And, and, and they get him on the offensive end, too. Right. Yeah. And, and like, we don't give up any offensive rebounds to no, teams. No, it's, 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 it's obviously a rebound by committee. It's a team effort 
because you have several guys that are grabbing six and seven and eight rebounds. And that is huge. I mean, it, it, it does limit your get out and transition opportunities because you're sending everybody, everybody to the has boards. to get there. Yeah. But that's okay. If you're not giving up second shots, if you're going to trade, not giving up second shots for not. And if you're going to run solid half court offense. Yeah. You know, if, if you can't score in the offensive end. Yeah. And you have to get out in transition. It's a major yeah, issue. So, so we, we do have the luxury of I mean, we're not getting hurt by sending everybody to the boards. Of course, we always want to run more, but um, you know, so this team can't. They 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 can't. They got to rebound the ball. I mean, we have an advantage. Um, I don't know what the the rebounding totals for the year are, but I, you know, these got to be in the plus. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially in conference. Yeah. So and, and we could have really been hurt and and. Uh, Given up a ton of offensive boards, especially to teams like Colorado State and and San Diego State and teams that were just bigger than us, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we have not seen that. And it's been a concern every game in my mind, and, it, and it's proved to be not a, a big deal, a positive. Yeah, uh, and and defense, I feel having uh, all the all the smaller guys on the floor. We've gotten our hands on a lot of balls that we probably wouldn't have before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zhang has dominated inside defensively in terms of altering shots and, and not allowing his guy to to go off and, and rotating on, on plays. Um, still wish Dembele would have flourished a little bit more under this system and been able to yeah, give us a, a number two because um, I'm not a huge fan of Itali, but... He is what he is. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's a prayer it, when he, he shoots a three. Yeah, I know. But, you know, he, he's not trying to do too much, you know. Uh, and that that's just a, no, a lot and he of rotates the, guys. the ball well. Yeah, that, that, that's a lot of guys. And he notice, brings the opposing center out because they have to, to the three-point line. Guard it. So I, I don't mind it so much. I mean, if people stay within their capabilities and within their strengths or they don't try to tap into their weaknesses too much, it's – it's it's not that bad, even if they don't offer you a lot. If if it, you know, one of the things that that drives me crazy, and he he may play, and we don't know if Tillman's going to go. I think he probably will. I think that changes the dynamic of the team uh, a little too much. I think there's, I think Tillman's played better without Tillman, who who's a decent player. So you don't, and he gives you rebounding, and he gives you some inside presence in a mid range game, but. I think I think the team is does a little too much driving. Yeah, he puts the ball down. He you can't put the ball down in the paint for that many dribbles and no. not expect it to get stripped. And he does that quite a bit, especially as an undersized player. Yeah, and he and well, our guards like to do it too. But and it's usually a turnover. Our guards like to go behind the back a lot in the paint, and it's usually not. It's usually a turnover. I mean, you don't have eyes on all sides of your head. We do finish very strong around the rim, though, uh-huh. for the size that we yeah, are. Yeah, Bryce, the the and Hardy's uh, tough. Yeah, and the, the shots they make sometimes, I, I, it's unfair. You you expect them to go in now, even though they're always tough shots because they do go in all the time. You know, Bryce's mid range has become just such a weapon. It's unbelievable. I, you know, he I, does not miss when he's open from twelve feet. No, I know he doesn't. And funny thing is that the mid-range game was heavily discouraged earlier in the year because the advanced analytics said that the mid-range shot is a bad shot. Yet we have, I think, three players on the team whose absolute strength is the mid-range game yes. with Hardy, Hamilton, and Tillman. And to that point, I think opposing defenses because. <clears throat> 
Not many teams shoot mid-range no, they don't. shots. No, so you a don't lot defend of defense much. Don't defend yeah, it exactly. They're they're defending the I've, paint and the three-point line. You know, a mid-range shot that is a Dalron Johnson three-pointer where your toe is barely oh, touching the line. That that that's the worst shot in that college basketball. Infuriates if me. you're two feet inside of that three-point range line and you and you make that shot all the I time. Have no take problem it. with it. Have no problem with it. No, it's a good shot. Dalron with his toe on it with oh. his. Toenail on yeah, it? Yeah, he needed Ugh. to clip that hangnail, and we'd have been okay. Ugh. Yeah. Wow. It, it would drive you crazy. But um, the ones we're taking, it, it is an absolute strength. And Bryce is just, you know, I I don't know what happened. So I don't, you know, whoever the credit goes to, the credit goes to. If Otz finally, Otzelberg finally reached him. Um, but we were talking about this early. I can't remember the last time we've seen a player flip on a switch like that. He went from... You know, what I called was an X factor. You didn't know what you were going to get. You knew you could get something really good from him uh, in a given game, and you knew he could be a non-factor in a given game too. So it was kind of just that that X factor or that that unknown every game. But you know what? Somewhere along the line, I swear to God, I've, I've, I don't recall the last player where a light switch just flipped in the middle of the season and they went from being extraordinarily ordinary to one of the best players in the conference. Yeah, we talked about this. Uh, I threw out a name like Rene Rougeau, who was just really average, and then he became like the second best player on a pretty good basketball team that we had. Uh, you mentioned Mark Dickel. Um, From sophomore to junior year. Right. Uh, but even that wasn't a light switch. It felt it, more like a progression. Yes. And to me, Bryce was – it was the Robert Morris game. And – he did not start, and he barely played in the first half. Maybe three or four minutes, it felt like. Um, and I kept wondering, is he hurt? Why isn't he playing? You know, he's probably one of our top scorers, so you'd think he's going to be on the floor. Also, considering we were struggling in that mm -hmm. game, uh, when it went to halftime, it was only a couple bucket either way. And um, after that, it really felt like UNLV and, and Bryce kind of married each other. Yeah. He, he turned it on and, and carried the load. He's made, he's made everybody else around him so much better. And the thing with Bryce is he doesn't need to shoot a ton to pile up a bunch of points because he's so efficient. Um, he's allowed Amari Hardy to be able to drive and take, take some shots. He's allowed... Antonio to take some shots and to be honest I think he's a big reason why Marcus or uh, Coleman has has done so well yeah. because the attention is spread out and, and Coleman has and, and been you know, able to just you know, do what Col he does well Coleman deserves a ton of credit uh, absolutely I mean he walked onto this program he asked to play here he wasn't recruited love it he walked on and it's what you you don't see it as often as you'd like, but when your number's called and nobody expects anything, and you make the most out of your opportunity, it's a wonderful thing to see. Yeah. Um. He took nothing for granted and just kept working. And to be honest, I think UNLV probably. I mean, you could say we would have won the games with Long if Long was starting, and we wouldn't have been in the position to where Coleman had to bail us out. But Coleman, I think, is directly responsible. Obviously, for, for the whole confidence say, shift. Well, not not only that, but I'd say three games directly, where he hit a shot within the last twenty seconds that 
that was the difference in the game. I'm not saying he's the reason we won it, but when, right. when the game was on the line, I think Marvin hit three shots this year that gave UNLV a victory instead of a loss. And that's huge from, from a walk-on. Yeah. Huge. Absolutely. And he does everything well. Yeah. Not, not anything great, yeah. but everything well. He passes the ball well. He hits, he hits clutch shots. He hits clutch shots. He defends, sure. and he rebounds. Uh-huh. You know, and he's a team guy. So, uh, yeah, maybe he's a, a young Anthony Marshall with a little Could bit be. better jumper. Could be. Don't know. Don't know. But I, I, I like him, him. And, and, and I'm appreciative that, that he stepped up because, you know, theoretically or, you know, potentially at least, I'd say that a lot of teams would have just fallen apart. When you go from a fifth-year senior starter to, a walk to an inexperienced walk-on. Yep. That is when you're a, already not having a great season. Yeah, that's that's enough to uh, honestly just say, you know what, let's just get through the season and we'll see what we got next season. Let's mm-hmm. just go through the motions and let's see what we can do with our stats. And and he didn't. He made things stronger. I think that's an absolute key to the season. But, you know, that that's on Otzelberger. That's, that's keeping the team chemistry together. That's keeping them grounded. It's keeping them focused. And that's not always easy with, with kids the way they are today, the way kids are built. Right. And... Uh, that to your point, we we point out the negatives a ton in in, in these coaches over the years, mm-hmm. and uh, really and point out their faults and and whatnot. You got to give credit where credit is due. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I'm, I still have concerns. I mean, we signed forty two guys for next season. Yep, and we only and have thirteen we'll, scholarships. We only have some slots, and and you know, I, I know that. UNLV's going bending over backwards to talk about the classes being so great. And I've seen enough of these guys to know that it, it may be an effective class. It's not a great class. I mean, they, they may end up being what he needs in order to elevate the program. I'm not saying that, that they're not that type of player, but they're certainly not star studded impact guys, especially the freshmen. They're not going to come in and make a huge difference as freshmen. Like people always expect, you know, freshmen, Oh, he's going to come in and average 10 points. No wink Adams, Barely, struggled. He he barely averaged over ten points, and he was a career player for us. And he he actually had a for a freshman. He had a good freshman year. Yeah. So you're not going to get a freshman that comes in here, and you know, and and so I'm not crazy about when I say I'm not crazy about our recruiting class. I'm not crazy about the star appeal or the high level talent or guys that might be able to someday play at the next level. Well, the, there's not a lot of starting spots on the team next year. No, there's not. So I mean, but I mean, but if, when you sign thirty-two guys, correct? You can't assume that everybody's going to be here. Now I'm I'm not going to speculate because it's way. I mean, we got we're so far over the limit. Let's just say, starting five next year, Coleman at the point. Okay. The wings. You got three wings. You got Jenkins. Mm-hmm. You got Hardy, and you got Hamilton. And then you got and you got Zhang inside. Okay. That's your starting five. Everybody else. I don't know. And the problem there, obviously, that springs out right away is you're tiny as hell. You're even tinier than this year. Um, can they still rebound the ball effectively? The thing is, it, you could get teams once or twice with, I don't want to call it small ball gimmicky, but it's different. And we saw, like, for instance, when you come up with something that's unorthodox like that, you're able to defeat it. It has weaknesses. Mm-hmm. It's 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 unorthodox because 
it's it's not traditional, so that means there's going to be chinks in that armor, and it's up to the other team to expose them. Nobody's exposed UNLV for their for what they're doing right now. Correct. Nobody, and and that's smart on Otz's part. That's basically saying, "Hey, you coaches that I'm playing, you can't figure out the basics." Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm I'm throwing something at you that you should be able to to combat. And you haven't. And he's going to stick with it. It's almost like uh, Beheim with his zone. Mm-hmm. We, it's, it's just a zone. You're just taking advantage of coaches that don't know how to work offenses against his zone. Well, and I think... Uh, I mean, that, he has good players. Don't get me wrong. But you know what I'm saying. Sure. And to that point, though, basically, Otz is saying, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to do it by changing your strategy by playing more small guys to be able to guard us. Not necessarily. Not not necessarily. Like, uh, for instance, if you play a team like um, Baylor, mm-hmm. you think Baylor's going to sit there and say, you know what? No, they're going to well, pound well, the glass They're They're, they're going to say, you're paying for what you are attempting to do. Right. They're not going to try to match up with us. Now, if other teams try to match up with us and do what we want, then they're falling into our trap. Really, you got you to figure out a way to take advantage of weaknesses, not try to match their strengths, too. But if you're trading threes for twos... Well, that's that, that's what coaching is. Right. I mean, that's what we're getting down to. That's we're getting strategy. down to the strategy. And um, what I'm saying is it does have, you know, it's, the Death Star had its weakness, right? Not that we're the Death Star. Oh, have but you seen the new one? No, I haven't seen it since Return of the Jedi. Uh-huh. I'm not going to watch all this CGI crap. Such a liar. I haven't. I don't watch that Jar Jar Binks crap. And I, I remember I moved out here, and uh, I had never seen a Star Wars film. And Joe was like, oh, you never see any Star Wars films? You're making shit up. We had to watch them. You're, oh, you're, yeah. You're completely lying. No. That, that's I said legit. that? Yeah. But I never saw anything more than the first three. Well, that's the ones we watched. Okay, yeah. The ones before I was like eight years old. Yeah. Yeah, I saw those. But the, this Disney crap? No, I refuse. Based on principle. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> Um, but um, the, the teams have weaknesses, and, and they haven't figured out how to exploit UNLVs yet. And so, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's our best bet at winning. There's no reason for Otz to uh, – Otzelberg shouldn't try to match up to other teams. And try no, to, no, this he, is the way he can win. Yeah, this this is – he's so he's basically – he's put his cards on the table. This is the way we're going to play. Yep. It's up to you. He, I, I don't think Otzelberg's going to change the way we do things. I mean, if we go down because of this, we go down because of it. Yeah, you're going yeah, I mean, down with your best yeah, guys yeah, on the floor. Yeah, exactly, and 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 that's fine. That that happens. And I don't know if Tillman's one of those five best yeah, guys. Yeah, I, I don't either. So here's a quick question for you. If, and I, I know in, in years past, we've kind of dismissed any postseason if we didn't make the NCAA tournament, right? This year, I feel like I'd welcome some yeah. postseason. Um, not some. I if we've got to pay to play in the CIT or the CBI or that kind of garbage, I myself not just just pass on it. Um, just pass on it. I I now if, if you get an NIT invite, you take it, you play it, and I don't think UNLV could get an NIT invite, and I th- I think you're basically got to finish in the top seventy for top eighty for that. You have to either win your conference in the regular season and not win your conference tournament, which is what happens in the smaller leagues, uh-huh. um, or you have to. I think you have to finish with a certain record. Record. It doesn't matter what your strength the schedule is, and and isn't, and then whether you get a home game or not is contingent upon your attendance, 
is well and availability and availability and and UNLV's attendance. You know, I don't they I haven't really seen anything published. It's, I mean, it's actual actually bodies. not horrible in terms of national attendance. Yeah, it, it uh, it's still going to be below average. I mean, we'll it's put it this poor. way. Put it this way, if it. But I think it's in like the sixties, and, and and it kind of shows you where we were at early in the season. Um, you know, I really was upset about the Menzies crowds because they were really bad, and and I don't like a bad experience at the Thomas and Mac. It 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 makes me sick to my stomach because you know I've lived there for thirty three, thirty four years. Right. By the way, I passed six hundred games. Oh my god! And um, you may you know, have to take up the moniker Rebel Fan. Yeah, I might have to. <laughs> and then and then the crowds this year were even less. We had we had several games that. I'd really say fifteen hundred would be generous. People weren't That's a nice excited. It, it, it's, it's, it's not apathy, the Knights effect. It's, it's apathy. It's apathy combined with Knights effect. You know, and, and we weren't winning. We were five and eight in the non conference. So right. it's, uh, eight or five and eight, I think. I, I keep putting out five and eight like it's a fact. I don't know whether it is or not. Is, does that sound right? No, you said it with confidence. I did. No, but you I, didn't. You said it with a lot of hesitancy. No, well, that's about the fifth time I've said five and eight in non-conference. So I'm, I'm assuming that's what we were. I'm not positive. I, I feel like you're right. Anyhow, um, so the crowds were real bad. And, and so actual butts and seats. Well, and we weren't playing good basketball. No, either. we weren't. But people didn't start showing up until the UNR game at home, honestly. And then the crowd, it, but it wasn't like we didn't crack 10 10,000? No. Not even San Diego State did we crack 10,000. So no. if it was actual butts and seat, uh, our attendance will be bad. But, you know, they always publish the purchase tickets. And I don't know where UNLV is at with that number. I mean, I know I know that they lost I, ticket sales. I think we're in the 60s is, is what I saw. 60s? Mm-hmm. 6,000s? No. Top 60 of the country. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Well, then that's tickets sold. But I, I, my understanding is they, we had less season tickets sold this year than even last year. Oof. More fans dropped. But then again, they could have picked up during midseason when the team got hot. I mean, you're sure. able to get them at a discount. You're able to lock yourself into those particular seats before anybody else jumps on them if they intend on doing that. So, What do you so, think about ticket renewal coming out today? It always does. So I, I think it's bad timing regardless. I think um, – yeah. This year it worked. Last year we we you know you lose to Air Force in the first round of the Mountain West tournament. It's you look like a moron yeah. for trying to pitch something that has everybody so pissed off. It, it's just you know to, to no, me no increase this year. No for that, next year. Yeah that that that's fine and dandy. But um, I'm just saying. Yeah no I think their timing. It, I I'm guessing other schools do it too. I just I think it's bad timing. I think yeah. you you wait until the season's over. Um, yeah, pro pro teams do it too. Knights yeah, did it. Yeah, it, it just the it, day before we fired the head coach. Yeah, yeah, no, which was weird. Yeah, that's real weird. That yeah, they knew it was coming. So I I don't know. It's um, I I think it this year it works. I don't. I think it backfired the last few years because it it looks even though it's not the intention, it's it's an insult. Mm-hmm. You're basically saying here, pay for this crap again. You know, nobody wants it rubbed in their face that they're wasting money, and that's what fans felt like they were doing the last three years. Yeah, I think I, I think it's fine this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, and, and when you come out and you're not raising prices at all, yeah, it's no, definitely fine. No, I'm I'm very confident in saying even if they lose to Boise on Thursday, ticket sales will bump up next season because of the five game winning streak and that they did it playing good basketball. Not, yeah. not even though the team, I agree, the teams were shit except for San Diego State. They were they were garbage teams. They right. they weren't great wins. 
But the team again, looks good. Again, I, I use I, I've watched enough basketball 100%. to where I test I believe in the eye test. And they've passed that. They've been confident. They've been dominant in in every facet of the game. Yep. Would they look that way against Baylor? No, but it we they still we're not at that level. Yeah, right yeah. So um so yeah. We, we've you, seen so you, much improvement yeah, from day one from from October to March. There's been a ton of improvement. Yeah. In all been. aspects of the of the game. And you never saw anybody's head down. You never saw the team fighting with each other. You never saw anybody give up. Mm-hmm. I mean, all, all those, the chemistry things, the the getting better and learning the game plans, all those have improved so much that I feel really good. Yeah, you do. And, and you know, and I, I totally agree with that. But I also know how our fan base is. Go ahead and lose to 20 by Boise and then accept the CBI, have a game at home and lose to Southwest Panhandle State. Guess what? You're back at ground zero. That's how our fans are. It's wrong, but that's the way they are. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I don't mean to sound negative here. I mean, because we are feeling good about where we're at. Yeah. But just to show you where the bar for UNLV is. The John bar? (laughs) What are we, 17 and 15? Yes. Here we are feeling good at two games above 500. That shows you how low the bar is for UNLV. The league is still weak. It's it's not as weak as it was last year. But the league is, the last five years has been far weaker than it was the five years before that. Okay, it's easier to compete in this league. We get, we get plenty but, uh, of Joe, free wins. Like you just said about the eye test. It's the, the eye test is five games, though. Here, here's the thing. 20-game wins for Menzies... In those those other seasons, we didn't feel good when the season ended. You know what? Uh, in the twenty one season, we did for a stretch because we competed very hard against Arizona. Now there were mitigating circumstances that made that game a little bit, um, you know, Arizona just. Well, lost I don't to, remember feeling good. I do because we competed. We went to overtime and we lost. I mean, and we we looked good doing it. And McCoy battled really hard, but. Arizona okay. was coming off three straight losses, and the FBI just started investigating them. So there, you know, there was some reasons why um, Arizona might be distracted. But then we came out, and we granted they weren't an NCAA team, but we thoroughly dominated Utah. That's right, at MGM, and we that was the yep. that was Marvin Menzies' best overall game in terms of how the team looked yep. from start to finish. So you had those games on the heels of each other and you start and you knew you had a pro type of guy or at least a fringe pro guy with McCoy. Mm-hmm. So you sat there and you looked and you know jo- Jojo was doing his thing and our point guard, what was his name? The guy that transferred from Southern Illinois or whatever it was. Yeah, I can't remember. Jordan Jordy Jordan Johnson, whatever, Jordy. Yeah, Jordan the, Johnson. Is that what it was? I anyway, so. but he was—he wasn't great, but he was steady as a point guard. So that eye test-wise, yeah, he you came did. from the Missouri Valley Conference, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think he did Milwaukee. He, he played at Milwaukee. He played for Jeter, or was it? Yeah, the, okay. Jeter. Anyway, but so I wouldn't say I was sold on the eye test, but what I saw, it, it did make me feel good. Don't get me wrong, but it made me think, hmm. Maybe these guys could do something with the season. But then again, the way he scheduled, I think that year we had the 319th toughest schedule in the conf- in the country, and we won 20 games. At no point 
did UNLV have a chance to make the NCAA tournament without winning the Mountain West tournament? Right, right. Because right. we didn't schedule anybody. So and that, that's one thing I love about Otz. He's not afraid to play people. He's not afraid to go out on the road. We're playing in Maui next year. I think we play at BCU. I think we play. We do. I think we get Kansas State again. We play at Kansas State. So right there, Maui, at Kansas State, at BCU, and there's another UCLA. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right there. You're, you're talking six games in the non-conference. Yes, yeah, so we are. That are tougher than Menzies' toughest six games. Or, I'm just saying. That, and we get, we get another team that skipped yeah, this year. I think, I think we do. So I'm, I don't know that the schedule is going to be loaded, but it, it just on the surface right now what it looks like is it's going to be adequate enough to work. competitive games, right? Yeah, well, first of all, you, fun games. I, 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 maybe I'm a tough to please fan, but I want to be engaged. Well, I want to be engaged the entire year. Yeah. But, and that's recruiting, basically. I want to be engaged with the recruiting. But engage me for, for in November through March. Keep me interested. Play a competitive schedule. Let me see where you're at. Let me see you grow against good teams, not bad teams. And let us go back to looking at RPI and Massey ratings. Boy, that's been a long and time. And what seed are we going to potentially get if we could win these next three games? Because that's, that's what, well, at least fans like me like to do. You'd like to consider the possibilities. Not, not being able to wait for the bracketology yeah, to come out. Yeah, and, and Oh, where are we at this week? Yeah, that, that's, that, so fun. That, that's fun. That, that's, what, that, that's what occupies your mind. Um, the last three years, we, we never even had the slightest opportunity to look at it. I mean, we looked at that stuff to see if we were setting records, low records for yeah. UNLV, and we were. Yeah. And, and that's disheartening as a fan because it's over before it began. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it makes me resentful that I'm being, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. If, if I didn't, you know, if I wasn't at 606 straight home games or whatever it is that I'm at now, if my streak wasn't there, I would have absolutely bailed because I felt like I was being not abused, but maybe taken advantage of. It just didn't feel right. It was like almost like your intelligence was being insulted. You were doing something you didn't want to do. I absolutely was doing something I hated to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I and don't that, know if that, I, that's the, that's the bad part. I don't know if I've mentioned I mentioned this on our last podcast since it was like done when Abe Lincoln was president, but, um, good years. Yeah. 1864. I don't know. Anyway. Um, let me think here what I was saying. Oh, I kind of intend on saying my goodbyes at some point with the streak. I I know it's going to break at some point. I got young kids and and things are going to come up. That's going to happen. And, and rebel basketball is not going to come before my family. Right. So I know I'm going to say my goodbyes at some point. What my hopes are is, I'll feel really, really bad if I leave on a bad note because I came in on such a high note in 1987. And and it it almost feels like the program has to be in good shape for me to break that streak. And with Menzies here, I knew I couldn't break the streak because I was not going to let him beat me Mm -hmm. and beat my streak. I wasn't going to let his ineptitude cripple me. He was not going to win. I mean, he he never won anyway. He just doesn't know how to win. Right. But he wasn't going to beat me. So I wanted to make it through that. And I did. And I'm not to the point where, you know, right now where, hey, you, you, we're in good shape. The future is bright. But I'd like to get to, you know, back-to-back NCAA tournaments, top two, three finishes in conference to where we say, hey. And then I could say, you know what? They're in good shape. I could, if I miss a game, it's not a big I'll still go. 
but it won't be this turmoil, this this dilemma that I have. Should I go or should I not go? It'll where, be like where well, you get in your car and you turn it on and you I've, sit there and I've think, sat there in what the, the driveway hell am I doing? and I've sat in the driveway and tried yanking out my teeth with pliers. <laughs> Just saying, this is going to be more fun if I do this in my driveway and and w- without any anesthesia or anything. And yeah, that's that's not fun. It's mm-hmm. it's not fun when it gets to that point. If it gets to the point where where we're fine, I, I'll still go to games. I I just won't have a streak, yeah. you know. And I might I may choose to you know, there's a birthday party or a long day at work. Or you had to work a double or something like that. You know what? I'll just the game's on ESPN. Let me pop it on ESPN and lay down in bed and watch it. Mm-hmm. I won't feel guilty. If the program's in a good place, and that's where I wanted to get to, okay. Because I, I don't want to. So, TJ, you you have now heard your mission. Yeah, I mean, just do that. Put anyway. the place, put the put the program in good enough shape where Joe can come home from a long day at work, feed the kids, hang out, and get in bed and watch the game. Yeah, I, I, that sounds bad. That's not bad. No, it sounds bad. It sounds it sounds disloyal to me. Still, how it just does. You know, the game still. How how long have you known me? 17 years. Okay. What would you say? Loyalty. Yeah. It's is your number one trait. Yes. I would say so. 100%. It's, it's what I live and die by. Mm-hmm. You have it or you don't. And uh, which, you know, Ron and I talked about today. Yeah, actually, you know what? People need to check out um, some yeah, tweets a... and look on the on Facebook. I had a rather long interview with uh, Ron Futrell today that went on for a few hours, and it's going to be cut in a se- uh, several segments. Uh, we'll link it on the board. We'll tweet it out and things like that. But, um, you know, I, I brought that up to Ron. Um, I don't know if this was on air or off air, but one of the reasons I identified so easily with the Rebel program when Tark was there, of course, we were winning and we were winning at a high level in 87. We were 37 and 2 and made a Final Four. That was a big part of it. No, no question about it. That's, you know, that was part of the draw. But the hook was how the program was run, and it was based on loyalty, and it was based on us against the world. Nobody likes us, mm-hmm. and we don't care. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was so attractive. It was so me, because I don't care if people like You know me. I could give a shit if somebody likes me or hates me. I don't, whatever. I'm not going to hurt anybody right. if they hate me. I don't, I just don't care. It's not that big of a deal to me. Mm-hmm. So, and the program felt the same way. So it, it, that, was, that was the hook. And uh, so it is interesting. Yeah, loyalty. And I feel like um, that's why I went for several years after Tark and it, and it kept me going and I keep finding fake reasons to keep loyalty. I know that um, that's probably a weakness when, when you're over loyal because UNLV hasn't been loyal to the fans. Correct. I mean, you, you could admit that, right? Yep. UNLV has not. UNLV themselves as an institution has never gone all in with basketball. To me, they broke my trust and my loyalty whenever uh, they fired Dave. Well, it, it, no, it came no for well, me. I mean, it was way before then for me. Well, I mean, in wh- terms of, I always thought we were trying. No, I never thought we were. The support, the big time programs have. I'm not even going to get into the details of it, but you know as well as I do, you were around Penn State. Mm-hmm. Big time programs have a certain structure and a certain foundation that the program is protected and takes care of itself. I mean, even Penn State, they got away with. A lot for a long time. Sure. I'm not going to get into that, but they got away with a lot for a lot longer than they should have. But that's because that foundation and that protection is in place. 
and and the resources are readily available. Yep. Okay. That that's they how you're going to let the football program. Uh, no, of course not. And, and but but that's the way a program is supposed to run. You need all those in place. If you want to be a consistent winner, you need that in place. UNLV's never had that in place. Tark had it in place, but Tark put it there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't UNLV that put it there. Tark put it there. Mm-hmm. Okay. He built they were loyal it. Loyal to him, not yeah, UNLV. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why you saw a lot of disdain once he was fired. Sure. People hated UNLV. That's why they all were number two in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. That, you're onto it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So UNLV has never, ever been loyal to the fan base. The fans have always been an annoyance, just something that's there that they have to deal with. As far as I'm concerned, UNLV would love to be mediocre and stay out of trouble and make enough money to where they don't need to ask for money. And then they'd be happy. Not, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the program. Every goddamn, even, even Menzies when, when he was here, every coaching staff wants to win. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I'm saying the tools, UNLV is not a big time program. They aren't. No. And they, but they never have been. So, you, no, UNLV's never been all in. Never. So, no, they're not trustworthy. There you go. It's, it's the truth. Hey, uh, you, you know what? I, I know we got to wrap this up because we're, we're over an hour right now. But um, uh, at some point, we really do need to get to some spring practices. I'm very. I'm excited. incredibly excited for what Arroyo has done you know, this early. I, it, I love the fact that he basically came in and said, no positions, anybody's. I'm going to recruit my ass off, and everything's up for grabs. Yeah, The roster's not good enough. I'm going to yeah. make it better. And I, you know, it, it reminds me in a sense of, of Rice, in a sense. It's like, I'm going to go for broke. I'm, I'm going big time. I'm not going to baby step it. I'm going to get this done, and I'm going to get it done quickly will it work i don't know but the the safety net is you know the football's never worked right so what is there's no expectation there's no expectation so you i think it's a little bit easier to throw that hail mary and and cross your fingers yep. i'm appreciative i'm but you start seeing four-star kids considering us and uh, quarterbacks from tcu yeah, absolutely yeah absolutely it's it's exciting and 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 you know what? I, I will say this i know a lot of people that are listening uh many people aren't going to be able to afford raider tickets be smart. See the new stadium. Buy Rebel football tickets. Um, I looked. It looks like you could get in the door for 120 for a season ticket. Oh, that's not bad at all. No, I think that's what the the low end of it was. You know, you could get a you get a family of four. Um, you, you know, you, you get in there for five six hundred dollars. To me, six games, climate controlled, pretty much because you're you're in a dome. I would you, think you know. so. Um, Nice concessions. You're gonna have parking. You're not in the middle of a desert like the like the Dust Bowl out there. I, I think it could be a real good. F- I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. No, but I'm envisioning. It's gonna be fun. I'm envisioning a nice family atmosphere where people could enjoy it and they'll be able to see the amenities of the new stadium and mm-hmm. what, you know the new foods and not just hot dogs and hamburgers and nachos. No, they're gonna have it, like that, that's what legit I'm saying. stuff. So I mean, I I think. Even as it's not even an investment because you know football is never gonna sell out, but. I don't know. It's it's it, it's good. It could be good entertainment dollars spent for your family. Because I mean, it's and it, it does feel like UNLV. You just said that they don't go all in. They, they, and they I have, get that, well, well, I, that but they uh, they're gonna have to go at least ninety percent in on yeah, this. Uh, this is a topic, for, and, and uh, we could close with this. This is a topic for another podcast. But um, I said UNLV has never been all in. I think that. We're going to see UNLV all, I don't want to say all in, more in with football under a Royal than, than they've ever been for yep. football. And even 
probably for the first time even more so than basketball. I don't think they'll pull from basketball. I think basketball will have what it's always had, you know, whatever those resources are, mm-hmm. however you want to quantify them. I think that'll stay the same, but I think any all other resources are going to be um, ramped up for UNLV football. First of all, they're generating more money because of the Raider deal not playing out at Sam Boyd. They're pulling in more money. It's going to cost more on game day, but overall they're going to make more money. And I think all that, instead of going back to the general fund for UNLV to spend however they want, mm-hmm. it's going back to the athletic department, and it's going to be kicked right back into football. And, and I will also say this. They have gotten to watch the nights and the experience that they put on. UNLV football has a chance now to they absolutely do rebrand itself absolutely and it's- be exciting and the experience be amazing for the fans and even if the football is not it doesn't know, matter 10 it doesn't wins, matter the knights showed have fun they experience is, is the most critical. important thing and i and that scares me about unlv marketing because they haven't been a, very imaginative in the past they've repackaged ideas that have been used across the country and i realize you have to do that to an extent. I mean, yep. if somebody comes up with a good idea, you use it. Mm-hmm. But it seems like there's very little originality um, with, Reb, with Rebel Marketing, whereas the Knights came out with a ton of originality. If, if, you, if, you guys Outrageous. Gotta, if you guys gotta go t- tap on the marketing doors of the Knights and yep. say, hey, give us some guidance, do it. Do something. Spend the money on marketing. Bring in a new marketing team. Add additional marketers. Add some real talent and Absolutely, go crazy about making it a game day game experience. Day experience. Yep. You'll keep people coming back while he's building this thing. Then, if he gets it going, you've got loyalty for life. Yep, that's just the way it works. It's not hard to figure out. It's hard to do, yes. but it's not hard to figure out the formula. No, to- I, I I can honestly say that uh, the night's game day experience is as good as anything I've ever been around. There's, Bite me. There's not a minute of boring. As soon as the puck stops at any point... I wish I could go they, to a game. They go straight to the big screens. People are dancing. And then by the time you're done watching it and laughing, the game's back on. So it's constantly in motion. Uh, even even during the, the period ends. It's just... They have entertainment. I've never really, the entire I've time. never had the opportunity to go to a game. You're so full of shit. Yeah. How were your seats? Fantastic. How many rows up? About uh, 10. And where were you at? What part of the ice? Uh, center ice. Center ice. Ten rows yeah, up. Yeah. And, and I said no. Yeah. I should have taken I tried. It. I asked you I three you times. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you I sure? Know. I know. And, and that game was absolutely electric. Because right, it was it Tampa was Bay. It was a 6-5 game, yes. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 The crowd was just I watched it on TV. Electric. I watched our, did, Hey, wait. We didn't watch tonight. Did they play tonight? Yes. I have no idea what they did tonight. Damn no, it. You made me miss the, the game. Yeah. Let's the see. Devils. <laughs> yes, a little side foot action. Yeah, putty. Putty. I love it. So if we make the NCAA tournament, we'll come back here next week and, and do this on Monday or Tuesday night. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If not, we will do a special podcast on April second. Well, we'll we'll at least release it on April yes. on April second. We may record it before then because it's it's not a time sensitive thing. It's no. not it's not like a game will but pass. we'll release it on the day yeah. of the championship anniversary, thirty years. You know, yeah, I, unbelievable. The thing is, um, when I talked with Futrell today, it was it was all about old time basketball, and I was thinking about it. Um, and then somebody posted on the message board that we really need to do an anniversary type thing. And you know what? The reporters here in town, there's a few that were here back then. 
And I, I think it, it would be good to try to draw the picture of what it was like because the reporters here can't give that to you. Maybe, maybe we can, uh, and, and we can sidebar on this. But maybe we can get uh, some interviews with some of those players and and have that part uh, we, of we, part of the podcast. We we probably could. We we could work on that. But I, I just I think it, at thirty years it'd be nice to try to give because we got a lot of new newer fans. The older right. fans are going to remember it. But to revisit what the town was like and 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 well, I I, I, I can I give what the, what the rest of the country was yeah, like. You, you can you you can because you were still old enough to to understand. I mean, you were probably. 12 or 13, right? Right. Yeah. And, and uh, I had the rest of the a country love, viewed love for UNLV. that basketball team. I mean, from 87 till now. And, um, but I, I've never been that excited or dejected the following year mm-hmm. in any sporting event that I could ever remember. Yeah, I know. I know. So I just think a, a little bit of a history perspective, maybe, um, not to, com- not to compare it to anything now or anything no. like that. Just to, to this is what it is, um, what it was, and what it meant. And I, th- I think that's always good to put something like that out there. And that that's that's why you guys should give that Ron Futrell, um, the the podcast, some listens because he's um, he's getting many different people in there. I was just one. He he grabbed me from a fan perspective. He's getting some from administrative perspective, coaching perspective perspective coat player perspective he he wants to you know sort of get a chronology and and sort of document electronically for posterity the what it was like when the rebels won the national championship and i think it's a good idea um we could you know we i could touch on it more with my own experience and you with yours i think it'll be neat sure it'll be neat i think it'll be great all right guys have a great mountain west tournament Hopefully it's as amazing as 1998. We're not going to do it unless you could get the wah-ah-ah part. Oh, We're not I'm leaving. Gonna, I'm, I'm going to struggle with no, that. No, the, the kids are sleeping. The kids are sleeping. I don't need you to break a mirror. I'm not down with the sickness yeah. quite yet. Folks, we'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.